The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Thanks for being with us here today on Radio Taiwan International for today's lineup of English language feature programs. Coming up ahead this hour, we will have Chinese Culture 101 with Paula Chow and Jukebox Republic. Shirley Lin will be bringing us another selection of popular music, but we'll kick off the week with Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan this Monday, November the 5th, 2018. I'm Charlie Storer sitting in the host's chair today, joined in the studio by Paula Chow. Hello. And Jake Chen. Hi, Charlie. Hi, guys. Well, today we're going to be talking about the Taichung Flora Expo, which just opened over the weekend with a rather stunning mechanical flower display. We'll be talking about Taiwanese filmmakers who've been featured on a list of the 100 best non-English language films and addicted to helping people. We'll be hearing about the founder of a care home for people with HIV and AIDS. These stories coming right up. Okay, Jake, let's uh, start with you today. So it's finally here. The very long-awaited Taichung International Flora Exposition got underway uh, over the weekend. One of the uh, features, uh, a mechanical flower display. Tell us about that. Right. I thought they were just going to have right, real flowers. Apparently they've got robot flowers as well. Yeah, robot is going to take over everything, uh, including the blossom of flowers. We are the uh, island of technology, of course. So, yep. Yeah, quite literally in this case. Um, the entire exhibition that grabbed a lot of people's attention, the name is Sound of Blooming. Uh, it is uh, actually, from afar, it looks like this huge uh, mechanical ball, but it's actually... Uh, uh, a, 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 a consists of close to 700 uh, uh, triangular strips of red canvases. So as it gets together, it rotates. It looks like uh, uh, many, many little flowers blossoming along with the beats of the music. Now, this creation is the collaboration of no less than nine local tech companies uh, because the wow. uh, areas of expertise that involved in fabricating and, 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 and designing and making of the whole thing is just uh, impressive. That includes um, some of the uh, parts and materials used or umbrella fabric, uh, motors, LED lights, cable reels, fiber, glass, truss bars, structures, software engineers, etc., etc. So, yeah, it makes sense to have nine companies come together to make the whole thing work. Wow. Yeah, so quite impressive. I mean, the whole thing opened with uh, music and lighting that, that changes uh, um, uh, every few seconds, which is quite impressive, I say. And it looks like a mechanical bull. Is it the danger that someone might try and get jump on it <laughs> for a challenge? Right. I, I certainly hope not. With that amount of uh, 
electricity running through it. Okay, let's uh, talk, let's talk about films, uh, guys. If I were to ask you, what's your favourite film? Your favourite, or more specifically, your favourite film that's not in English? What what would it be? Not in English. Not in English. Yes,、mm. non-English language films. So a Chinese language film, or Japanese, or French, or or any language that's not English. What would you? At the Oscars, of course, they call it foreign language film, which means right, everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> This just shows you how how、uh, poorly、uh, you know how how little we know about the cinema world outside, of, which is a shame because I majored in film studies in university <laughs> and I do know many French films that I can't name at the moment. They're like I do know many of them, but I can't name any as my favorite.、Um, probably a 1994 Chinese language film called Farewell, My Concubine. Ah, Shenkai、yeah. Ge. Yes, that one. Yes, well, that one is one of the leading films on this list, which is、uh, commissioned by BBC Culture, the hundred greatest foreign language films,、uh, and of course, by foreign language they mean not in English,、uh, and they、uh, derive this from film choices by two hundred and nine cinema critics coming from forty three countries, and yes, Farewell, My Concubine was, I think, the was one of was among the top ranked. Chinese、oh. language films that made the list. That was that was、um, Farewell, My Concubine was ranked number twelve、wow. out of、uh, out of the best one hundred. But there were、uh, a number of、uh, films by Taiwanese uh, filmmakers, uh, or Taiwanese or Taiwan born anyway.、Uh, so Ho Ho Xiaoxian,、uh, yes. of course,、uh, in his nineteen eighty nine film City of Sadness. Um, set in、uh, Jiufen, I think was it set yeah, in. Yeah, I、um, think so. Well deserved. I remember that.、Uh, the, the 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 mountain former gold mining area that、uh, was. Well, the, we we had a bit of discussion about this recently, didn't we? About whether, whether or not it was also the setting for Spirited、uh, Away for Miyazaki's Spirited Away, his famous animated film, which which apparently he claims it's not. But anyway, but but Jiufen had kind of sort of jumped on that and sells lots of Miyazaki. Um, Motif. Motifs and 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 and、uh, merchandise, but one yes, one film that certainly is set there is, is、uh, City of Sadness, set during the 1940s. This was just, of course, after the、uh, KMT came over to Taiwan, so it's it's kind of sort of a landmark film,、um, uh, landmark historical film, and that was uh, voted uh, 18th. That was 18th, so that was the highest ranked one by a Taiwanese filmmaker. Um, of course, that、uh, film was it won a Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival. Was the first from Taiwan to do so. So it's yes, as I say, very very much a landmark film、uh, for Taiwan.、Uh, and also other ones there.、Uh, Edward Yang, he had、uh, that is、uh, Yang De Chang. He had two films. A bright summer on day the, on the list. A bright summer day. Yes, was in thirty eighth place.、Um, oh, yep. Turning chair, Xiaonian and. Sharon Shijian, and then of E E was also on that list as well. Right, the director passed away. I think a couple of years ago. Quite yes, fairly yeah,、um, fairly yes. young. Right. Yeah, that's right. I I I mean I understand. I like I said、uh, admittedly at the beginning. I know not that much about the cinema world outside of the one you know in in English language, but. Thirty-eight for a bright summer day—that's criminally low. I say that's a well. Top, I mean, the, the, you're talking about the hundred best non-English language films from everywhere. Everywhere, not just like the best Chinese language films, right?、Like、everywhere. Yeah. So, so, so you'd say thirty, thirty-eight, thirty-eighth. But、uh, uh, I mean, okay, I'll let you know. We'll go through some of the ones 
okay. that, that also appeared on the list, and uh, you can see how how you would compare it along with them. And of course, uh, Taiwan born now uh, an American citizen, Ang Lee had mm. two films on the list. He had uh, uh, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman was placed fifty fourth, and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is his his great uh, sort of kung fu fantasy movie. I've got a very soft spot for Eat, Drink, Man, Woman because it's set in Taipei. I think in the 90s, right? Or like a bit earlier. Um, it, was, it came out early 90s, I think, that one. So, yes, right. it's about sort of, yeah, late 80s or, or early 90s kind huh. of Taipei. Uh, one reason was because it features the Grand Hotel, the Yuan Shan oh, da- yes. uh, Hotel, right. right next to our RTI studios, right. which, uh, when I first arrived in Taipei, the first time ever taking the, the bus, come, uh, just having landed in uh, Tao Yuan for the first time and taking the bus into Taipei and seeing this big landmark hotel uh, by the side of the road. I think I've seen that before and then realizing, yes, yeah, so it was, uh, I'd seen it in, um, in Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Uh, so there, we, okay, so those were the Taiwanese directors who, who were on the list. Now, the, the, the film that was voted number one overall, like the greatest non-English language um, film of uh, well, according to these critics, was Seven Samurai was Kurosawa. It was on the tip of my tongue. I said, is it a Kurosawa film? And, it yeah. is. And, and Kurosawa well, had uh, two in the top ten. He, his, um, uh, let's see, uh, Rashomon was at number four. Well deserved. So he had two no. in the top five, well in fact. Yep. And then later, a little bit further on down the list, Ikiru uh, and Ran. Uh, now, interestingly, uh, uh, the BBC said... Uh, Seven Samurai is loved by critics everywhere except for Japan because the six Japanese critics who are among the uh, over 200 who voted, they didn't vote for a single Kurosawa film. Wow. <laughs> they went, maybe they're just bored of Kurosawa. It's like being from England. You're bored of the Beatles. With, with <laughs> too much. Yeah, we know how great they are, blah, blah, blah. They, right. they tended to go for uh, Yasujiro Ozu and Kenji Mizuguchi. Uh, and so um, other films in Chinese that were on the list. Uh, Wong Kar Wai had In the Mood for Love. Uh, which was number nine, uh, Chongqing Express, number 56, and Happy Together, uh, number 71. Uh, then we had Zhang Yimo, his film To Live, uh, at number 41, and then Raise the Red Lantern, sneaking in there at number 93. Again, that's another film I like because we, we watched that in, in our Chinese language class. Okay. When, back when I was I was studying, so that's uh, so yeah, quite a lot of, of Asian films there on the list. Whether it's, um, so obviously from from Taiwan, from China, from Hong Kong, uh, as well. Twelve yeah, twelve Chinese language films. Uh, Twenty French was the most common language among them. Twenty seven, but uh, followed by twelve in Chinese and eleven each in Italian and Japanese. So there we go. Okay, Paula, um, some 30 years ago, a woman founded a care home for people with HIV AIDS, and she now says that she has become addicted to helping people. Tell us about her story. Right. Her name is Yang Jie Xu. Um, in 1986, an art student in Taiwan was um, infected with HIV and then the, the news was spread to the um, to the whole island. And then, you know, that student um, became a target of um, discrimination. Um, it's a stigma. Um, it's a taboo. And he had no place to go. So this woman, you know, um, gave uh, the student a home. And later she decided to open a care home for 
uh, people who were diagnosed with HIV, with HIV, including um, innocent um, babies who were infected with the with the virus. Anyway, um, passed down from their mother, presumably. Right, oh. and she has um, actually uh, taken care of over one thousand um, babies diagnosed with um, uh, with HIV. And then when when the problem was when that issue is no longer a problem, um, this woman's love for other people didn't stop because um, one day two Catholic fathers went to her care home and she thought that um, they are going to help her, but um, surprisingly, the two Catholic fathers asked her to help Taiwan's migrant workers. She said, "Okay, why not? I have a care home." I used to help, um, you know, HIV people with um, AIDS patients. I can uh, help more people, especially in 1989. The first batch of migrant workers uh, from Southeast Asia um, arrived in Taiwan, and their number has continued to grow. And some migrant workers, especially, especially uh, women, when they gave birth to children, they don't know how to take care of them. They didn't have the money because um, there are two reasons. One is because um, they are not, um, you know, Taiwanese citizens, so they didn't have um, health insurance. And so they have to face, um, you know, they couldn't um, pay their medical bills. And the second problem is um, it has something to do with NIMBY because her neighborhood near her, um, the neighborhood near her care home um, is not happy that she has a care home there. Mm. And they actually, people actually call the police saying that, you know, they no, we don't want a care home here. We don't yeah. want migrant workers. We don't want AIDS patients. So she, um, she, it's pretty tough for her because if people have discrimination, of course they won't donate money to her organization. Yeah. So she has to support herself financially. But anyway, she's, she um, said, well, she thinks um, she's really stubborn. However, she said, well, helping people, you get addicted to helping people. That's what she has been doing over the past 30 years. And she said, well, she's pretty happy now. Oh, how kind. Okay, well, that's all we've got time for for today's Here in Taiwan. But don't go away. You'll be hearing Paula's voice just in just a moment on uh, Chinese Culture 101. Then we'll have Jukebox Republic. Shirley Lim will be bringing us our weekly selection of popular music. And uh, we will then be back at the end of the hour to bring you one more thing before we sign off for the day. Uh, but till then, I'm Charlie Starr. I'm Paula Chow. And I'm Jake Chen. Stay tuned. You're listening to Chinese Culture 101, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Retired Harvard University professor Stephen Owen has won the third Tom Prize for Sinology, along with Yoshinobu Shiba, a Japanese scholar. An expert on comparative literature and Tom poetry, Owen, who taught at the Department of Asian Languages and Civilizations, has translated many Tang poems into English with his own annotations. The Taiwan-based Tang Prize Foundation said Owen has been the single most important scholar of Chinese classical poetry in the late 20th and early 21st centuries. Owen's translation of Du Fu's poetry in particular 
enables Western academics to grasp the beauty of the works of one of China's greatest poets. Owen likes to think of himself as a craftsman. He has translated more than 1,400 Dufus poems into English. In late September, he gave a speech entitled "Reading, Beginning with Small Things in Taipei." I guess I simply like Dufu, and when I find a topic that seems to be important, then somehow I think of the Dufu poem that actually embodies the topic. But certainly, and Dufu was one more thing. Sometimes Dufu went from the large thing to the small thing. He's ironic. I think when you're trying to translate and catch the quality of an author, you both try to adapt. You have to try to keep a single voice for an author, but you have to change that voice depending on what you're talking about. So sometimes, if Dufu is very serious and sad, you have to be serious and sad. When Dufu is mixing. Very Wanyara, Gaoyara language, with very Dina language. Then you have to catch the irony. If you don't, you miss the poem. Owen said, "There is no need to be bound by tradition or tradition." I keep telling students when we do a Dufu class, I could make an anthology to prove to you that Dufu was a devoted Buddhist poet. I can even more easily make an anthology to prove to you that Dufu was a comic poet. That was, after all, the first thing that was anybody ever said about Dufu. The people today, I think, is writing in the 770s. People today think that Dufu is a funny poet, but I am going to show you Dufu actually is serious sometimes. So, the world, you know, the Tang poetry, Song poetry, Weijin Nanbaichao poetry that we receive and learn about in school. May not be the same Tang poetry, the same vision of the, of the history of poetry that people saw earlier on. Now you don't have to be stuck with what they saw earlier on in the Tang Dynasty, for example. But it's good to know that it helps you free yourself from the word I hate most. You know what the word I hate most is? Chuantong, because Chuantong doesn't say. Ming Dynasty, or Qing Dynasty, or Tang Dynasty, or Song Dynasty. The whole past is Chuantong, and a lot of different things happened in Chuantong. So many things is pretty useless to call something Chuantong. I have a great faith that if you read a text carefully, the text will tell you what to do. The text, you know, creates its own issues. If you know the historical context. And to know all these things is very good, but it really has to be reused, reconfigured for every single poem or prose piece. And every time I spend a lot of time on a poem or a lot of time on a piece of prose, I find I have to invent again. Middle period, teaching me how to read literature. The distinguished sinologists also talk about his interest. In Chinese literature, what drove me to do Chinese? I sometimes ask that question to myself.、Uh, it takes a long time. It's not the only very difficult literature, though, in the world. All literatures which involve memorization of large corpuses have developed these kind of complications. I think Gentitsa probably doesn't matter. It's rather the way in which the language has drifted. I think people and the 
certain ideas about learning Chinese. I think we have to face the fact that classical Chinese, the language of Dufu, is no longer the native language of anyone. It always takes work to get there. If I want to read Shakespeare, I have to work, even though I'm a native speaker. I may feel good about it, but I find I'm not pronouncing it right, just like every Mandarin speaker is not pronouncing it right. So that for all these things, you know, you can't, it doesn't come easily. And sometimes people find it easier, sometimes Chinese readers find it easier to look at a translation and then read the Dufu poem in the original than just to look at the original cold. And Dufu is perhaps one of the most difficult for many reasons, not just the Diengu, but also for the way he uses the language. That was Stephen Owen, the winner of the third Tom Prize for Sinology. I'm Paula Chow. See you next week. Bye-bye. Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. 大家来唱歌 That means let's sing. Well, I know that in the states they call it the karaoke, but here in Taiwan we call it the KTV. I guess it translates into karaoke TV. So karaoke or KTV is a form of entertainment originated from Japan, in which recordings of the music but not the lyrics were made so that you can sing along. Now KTV is hugely popular here in Taiwan. The establishments are usually several stories high, and then on each floor there are all these individual cubicles. Well, not cubicles; that, that's too small. Individual rooms, the private rooms that come with sofas, big TV screens, and microphones. So you pick songs to which the music videos will be played on the screen, and then you sing your hearts out with the music. Well, I hadn't been to one in a long, long time until two weeks ago. When RTI had a KTV party to celebrate the success of the 90th anniversary forum and gala we had in September, can't wait to tell you all about that evening. But only after this first song, called, uh, what's it called? Let's sing together. Yeah, woman. Oh, 大家来唱歌。手打字让温暖拥抱。Roma Vita， 吉他马虎隆，大声地呼喊，山谷气欢唱。大家来吧，欢乐随起飞，远离黑怕是非，彩虹努力去追。Roma Vita， 吉他马虎隆，猕猴树上跳，黑熊嬉戏谁？天空。
wondering what language they were singing that was uh, uh, the Amis language of the Amis uh, tribe indigenous tribe and the group was Ipis Zhanglang well actually the song was in Mandarin Chinese and you know Amis language mixed in together so you're listening to Jukebox Republic I'm Shirley Lin and today I'm talking about um, my trip to the KTV yeah the KTV culture where Going to the KTV, you rent a room and then you pick songs and then you sing uh, songs that come just with the music so you can sing along. Anyway, uh, we just had our RTI's 90th anniversary and uh, we had this, you know, uh, forum and gala for two days and it was a huge success. So um, the upper management decided to have a KTV party to celebrate the success of that. So before I went to you know to the place, I've always heard about this particular KTV uh, called Xin uh, or Superstar, which seems pretty popular among young people. Even my kids too know about that place. So I was really looking forward to it. You have to realize that it's not just a place to sing because they also offer food there. So in the past, my understanding was that you would get a room and they vary in different sizes depending on how many people you have. Once you get the room, you start picking songs. You can choose from English songs to Taiwanese to Mandarin Chinese to Japanese songs. Then you can order food by looking at a menu, and um, you give the order to uh, the people working there, to the staff, and the dishes will be brought to your room. But at Superstar, things are done differently. I picked up a ticket, and it went through a turnstile. Then we were told to go to one of the several computer screens on the right and start picking foods, main dishes, that is and then beep your ticket to complete the selection. The beeping deducts points from the ticket, which offers 80 points total for food, uh, for main dishes, for each person. So there are other foods there, uh, which are all you can eat. Anyway, so you get this coupon with a number on it after you, you know, hit, after you enter the selection of your food, uh, main dishes. And um, you were to Go to the many different counters from which you can pick up your food according to the number you got. So there was a deep fried food section, a, a, a drinks and dessert section, a, a, another counter for rice dishes, another one for noodle dishes, and then meat dishes. I think it was. I can't remember now. Somehow it was a really long wait. So I decided to get other foods, and um, you know, and start sitting down with some RTI colleagues and start eating. Um, basically, you were supposed to eat first before you went down. You know, we ordered the presidential suite in the basement. 
I mean, there were other floors too. So you were supposed to eat first before you went down to sing. Personally, I think it's kind of hard to sing after you're, you know, full from the food. And actually, you can also bring food to the room if you want on a tray and everything. So, but、um, the food was all right. And after finished my dinner, I headed down to the basement, and I was really ready to sing. Well, let's have a song here first, called "Hear Me Sing" by Landy Wen. Sing. 
I'm so surprised to hear Landy Wen singing in Taiwanese, the Taiwanese language. Because normally she sings in Mandarin Chinese, and she's like the dancing queen. She usually sings like these dancing numbers. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that was beautiful. All right, so um, I went downstairs, like I said, uh, to the presidential suite where everybody else was, and uh, there were only about. 20 people there. The room's kind of too big for that number, but I was late to get there since I was on the news that day. So maybe some people had already gone home. To be honest, the atmosphere was kind of stiff um, because basically one person sings at a time and everybody else just watched the music video and listened to the person singing. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because you pick the song and you sing it. I felt bad for our secretary general who was there, who tried so hard to pump up the atmosphere in the room. Anyway, my thing is that I only know how to pick English songs. I mean, I do sing Chinese songs, except that I don't know. I never, never know the names to those Chinese songs. So every time it's always been someone else who chose a song, and then once it started playing, then I would say, "Oh, I know that song," and then I would sing along. But things are kind of different. At Superstar, I mean, in the past, I know about picking songs from these like really hardcover, heavy songbooks, and it would be you know alphabetized.、Um, you know, it would be there would be a book for English songs, another book for Chinese songs, another book for Japanese songs, and whatnot. So there was no songbook to choose from at Superstar. So I was to directly go to the computer screen and enter the name of the song I know. And if I don't, I can always hit on the English songs, and then the list would show up, and I can just go down the list and pick the ones I'm familiar with. So I was actually all prepared when I went because I know I wanted to sing the song played at my wedding, which was "Beaches" by Bette Midler. The chorus goes. Did you ever know that you're my hero? Anyway, and then also I was going to pick、uh, "That's What Friends Are For" because I was somehow thinking about that song just days before that, and also Whitney Houston's "Greatest Love of All," which I always pick when I go to KTV. But to my huge disappointment, none of those songs were available. That's the thing about most of these establishments is they don't have a huge selection of English songs. So I ended up going down the English song list,、uh, which surprisingly was not according to the alphabet, but、uh, according to maybe how often those songs were being picked. So I picked several songs at a time, like Celine Dion's "My Heart Will Go On," which I asked for Natalie to sing with me. Yes, she was there, and Andrew came later.、Um, "My Heart Will Go On" was too hard to sing, too high. I'll probably never pick that song again. And also Beatles "Hey Jude" and "Yesterday." I also picked another song called YMCA,、uh, which was sung by one of Taiwan's most popular rock singers called Harlem Yu. So I had a great time singing Hey Jude, as always. I'm like second soprano, which is more you know my voice range lower, 
that means, you know. Then when YMCA came on, I said into the mic that I picked that song for everyone to sing along. We had a riot. We were all standing up and jiving and grooving and shouting, especially when I cued everyone to be ready for YMCA every time. So by then, the atmosphere was at its climax, finally. And that got other people choosing other rowdy songs for everyone to sing together. On the average, you can rent a room out for three hours, but you can always extend the time and pay extra, of course. So we did for another extra hour. So from 6 to 10 p.m., we sang. We just sang. So here's the song Sing Loud and Clear by Fan Xiaoxuan. You know, Fan Xiaoxuan, when she was younger, is known to be very popular among children, little children. So you can tell, right? I mean, she sings all these like children's songs, almost really fun kind of songs. Nowadays, she's more, as she goes older, you know, she's just more creative with her songs. Uh, that's all I can say. 
But uh, anyway, you know, that night at the KTV, I'd say we ended on a happy note. I had fun, and I thought I sounded better than I thought. I'm already looking forward to the next KTV trip, whenever that's going to be. Thank you so much for joining me on Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and here's I Just Want to Sing by Zhang Xueyou, Jackie Zhou of Hong Kong. Show 我只想唱歌直到有一天我喉咙唱过也是一种寄托直到有一天我红唱过Thanks for listening to our programs here today at Radio Taiwan International. Don't forget you can email us. The address is rti at rti.org.tw with any questions or comments you have. Well, I'm Charlie Starr, back in the studio with Paula Chow and Jake Chen. We're going to leave you with one more thing. Well, as you're hearing the program today, it's now less than three weeks before people across Taiwan will be going to the polls. They'll be voting for the heads of uh, cities and counties all around the country. And also on the ticket is no fewer than 10 referendums, referenda, I should say. But we've uh, recently discovered that apparently, Paula, a lot of people in Taiwan don't actually know the rules about how referenda work here. Right, I have to um, admit that, including myself, 
Well, because according to a survey conducted by the Grassroots Influence Foundation, forty uh, percent of Taiwanese people said they don't know the rules govern, um, governing referendums, and they don't know how they will be conducted alongside the local elections. Mm. So, um, and also thirty-two percent said they had no idea that the referendums and local elections will be held in two stages. And I don't know that either. I didn't know that. Right. <laughs> no. I assumed they were just all in one, because I know they're on the same day. I thought they were, would be done in the same place when you handed your ballot and it's got you know, right. your, ca- your local candidates and then the, the list of referendum questions down on the side, but apparently not. Right. And 48% said they did not know that people aged 18 and over will be eligible to cast votes in the referendums. That one I do know. You have okay. to be at least 18 years old. This is good. We're all learning. We're all learning together. Me, together with 40% of Taiwan's public. But anyway, uh, 71% said that, uh, the government has failed to promote knowledge about referendums. Mm. Think about this. There are 10 referendums. Five re- referendums are related to, uh, I think, um, gay marriage. Same sex marriage, yeah. Three groups are against and two are vote. Are for, uh, for yeah. Right. And then there are, I think there's a referendum about air pollution. And there's also a referendum about nuclear power. Mm. Right. It's, it's really complicated. It's really complicated. In a way, it seems to sort of, if you've got five referendums on one subject, it right. seems to be the more you get, it, like it's too easy to get a referendum on the ballot. Yes. So you can have various disparate groups who clearly don't have a consensus, you know, uh, you know but they've all got their own particular question. Right. You know, in, on, on the ballot. In this case, however, uh, the three uh, uh, anti-legalizing um, same-sex marriage proposals are all, are all coming from one group. I think the goal from that group, I'm guessing, is that they want to get a, as many referendums in the door as possible so mm. that people would get uh, uh, confused. confused. Yeah, um. that's their goal. It's all come from the Hu Jiamong, the, mm. the Taiwan family. It's foundation. sort of a way of gaming the system in a way. Isn't yeah, it? quite clearly. Right, but it's, it's already, uh, you know, it's pretty confusing. Yeah. So, you know, one professor said, um, suggested the government to hold elections and referendums separately in the future. But um, another professor from Providence University said um, he disagreed. He said the government should do more to help the public gain a better understanding of how, of, uh, to gain a better understanding of referendum rules and to allow voters to decide whether or not to cast referendum ballots. That's because the results of the referendum will play a, a, a bigger it will play a, a important role on the government's future policies. Right. And I think the argument for having them on the same day is you're going to get the better turnout generally, aren't you? We've seen yeah. in the past how if you just have a referendum just on its own, you don't get the turnout to actually um you know cross the the threshold. By yeah, which but it becomes... I guess my sense tell me a, a lot of people probably won't vote on the referendums. Mm. That's just too complicated. Yeah, there are cast ballots for the elections. Yeah. Well, we'll wait and see what happens then on uh, November the 24th. That's all for today's programmes. Thanks so much for being with us. Join us again tomorrow. Our programmes will include Book of Odes, Status Update, and another edition of Here in Taiwan. But for today, on behalf of all of us here, I'm Charlie Starrer, signing off for the day.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also, visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.